Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Let's do it live on a Monday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Merely Bo, the great Z. You know, we tease on this show sometimes about accurately that sometimes things happen right after we're off the air. 305, 306. That's right. This was uh, on a different level, reportedly. Uh, This was a, wait, what? Yeah. What just happened? Yep. So what did this thing go through? Because I was alerted of it. From you, I can't remember what the hell I was doing Friday night. I have a feeling it had to do no, with you. No, it was sport. me. Or was it Gibbe? Gibbe. Yeah. Gibbe. I'm out running some errands. It was our group chat, though. Yeah. Yes. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. And then I was like, I saw it, and then I saw like a bunch more, and I was like, whoa, what? So I looked at it. Yeah, you spent 10 minutes trying to verify Are we sure? it's like, exactly who, who's reporting Did this happen? We it. just acquired Zedarius Smith, That's reportedly. Right. Um, and then you just go... Holy smokes, like that is an absolute game changer in every way, what the doctor ordered, all of it. Uh, Z, you've been around, obviously, all weekend. You've been paying very close attention to this. Um, again, still nothing official from us, but I think this is – We are waiting on um, the physical. Physical and then which signing the contract. May or may not be happening today. Okay, okay. So that's that's where you <laughs> yeah. are on that. So um, – this is a this was a stunning Friday news drop, my friend. Seven twenty eight p.m. Tom Pelissero tweeted out: The Vikings are trading three time Pro Bowl pass rusher Zadarius Smith to the Browns. Sources tell me and Rapshi. So, yeah, it was about seven thirty Friday, late out of nowhere. Awesome, the Browns and ultimately the compensation. The Browns give up a twenty twenty four fifth and a twenty twenty five fifth. Remember we were joking about twenty twenty five fifth for. Uh, DeAndre Swift. Yep. Well, here it is, and now he gets Darius Smith. Which, honestly, between the two, I love DeAndre Swift. Much rather have Darius Smith. <laughs> yeah. And the Browns get Smith and a 2025-6 and a 2025-7. So you move back one round in 25, and then two rounds from 24 to 25. But still get the opportunity to draft players. Still draft so guys, inclined. man. Right. Yep. You still get the same number of guys, and you get Darius Smith, and so he'll be a free agent next March. Uh, incredibly productive, three-time Pro Bowler, three straight double-digit de- sack seasons. Of course, that accounts for that he missed all of 2021 with a back injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year before that, 12 and a half sacks. Uh, I'm sorry, 13 and a half sacks uh, in 2019. 12 and a half sacks in 20. 10 sacks last year with Minnesota. So three his last three full seasons, he's got 36 sacks. He's got double-digit sacks in all of them. Uh, he had last year 15 tackles for loss, which was the second highest of his career. 
he is a force, and he gives us, I think, the best pass rushing tandem that we've had, certainly. And in my mind, it's got to be top three in the league. I would say that on paper, on you got us. Yeah. You've got T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. Yeah. And then you've got probably Bosa and Khalil Mack. Yeah, those that would be the rare. But Bosa and Khalil Mack have not. That hasn't done it together. Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. But we're in that elite group now, and it gives so much flexibility to Jim Schwartz. This was a universally whoa, whoa, and everybody, okay. And look, we've said it all along. The Browns are all in. This is more evidence to that point. I love it. And he can rush standing up in a two-point stance out of, like, the Y9. He can come inside as they used him in Minnesota last year at times to pass rush from the inside. And so you think about in passing situations having Miles, Zadarius Smith, Obo Okoronkwo, who had, you know, five sacks in his last six games a year ago, those three, and then it can be Dalvin Tomlinson to push the pocket. Sometimes you could have Siaki Ika out there, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. to push the pocket. You can have a Perry on Winfrey if he shows that pass rushing potential we saw over the second half of last season when he should have had probably like four sacks in the final eight games. Or if Alex Wright has developed, if Isaiah McGuire shows him, you can yeah. have four defensive ends and be moving people around in any which way. Okoronkwo is going to be on the outside, but Smith can go inside. Alex Wright can go inside. The defensive tackles can go inside. Miles can go inside. It just gives a lot of options up there, and I, I think it makes us in our base four down linemen as dangerous as anybody up front. Well, it changes everything, right? Yeah. Because as we, I mean, if you think about, you know, we were talking about in the last month or so, we've talked a lot about, um, and you per- absolutely crushed it with veteran safety. It feels like we need one more there, and then we've spent the better part of the last month saying, I just. And we kind of mighty just last week we were talking about Frank Clark and and Gakwe and those guys were like there's got to be one more in there like I don't yeah. know, we weren't there enough like it, for a team that is as ready made as this is who are paying its stars while they are in their prime the way that this is we just weren't there on the defensive front the way that you needed to be uh, not as not in sure things Alex right. Wright may turn into something Oboe may be great over the course of the season you're, right. you're hoping explode we hope that they turn into that but this is... remember we would say well he's got who's got to be a guy you know we oh, a lot of these guys come on, somebody, somebody here has to be a dude well now you got a dude so now you go to the front of the line three bona fide dudes now on your defensive line yes you have a lot of proven dudes yes. and that was required based on where this roster is based on the arms race in the AFC. This was the minimum requirement, and it's great, Agreed. but it's minimum. This is where you had to be to do it. They did it. I was shocked it came now. I, I'm guessing is that cap reasons for Minnesota? Like, I would have thought maybe this could have come at the end of summer. So he wanted to trade. Because this is a busy roster time for the league. I honestly think my guess is the Browns wanted to get it done as soon as possible. See rookie minicamp, see McGuire. You know, you've seen a little bit of Alex right now. But I think it was more about – Let's get him in here for OTAs, so he's got a week to kind of acclimate. Yeah. Then we'll have OTAs. He'll be here for the minicamp, so he's in our system. We can get him all this information and so that he can be really hit the ground running because with the way our schedule is, yeah, no. this defense needs to hit the ground running. Gotta be good. You're dealing with the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins week one. Mm-hmm. So we don't have time for, oh, man, well, you know, we'll get it going by week four. We've got to get it going by week one to be a team of consequence, which is what we want and expect to be. Yeah, it's a um, – I never thought this big. I didn't think this. this big either. And I mean, apparently I, – I was thinking in the other ways. You know, I was thinking veteran last legs. 
you know, free agent camp signing. That's where my head was on this. Sure. I did not think that this type of thing was possible. It Apparently this was something that had been discussed earlier and yeah. that the Browns had been working on, had not been able to get it done, and now they have gotten it done. And I think that this is really – it's a, another kind of master stroke. I mean, it, it, you look at the fact that Andrew Barry's given up three fifth-round picks, and I know we've gotten things back and other things, but to land Amari Cooper and Zadarius Smith for two, yeah. three fives, he is, sounds pretty good to me. Uh, Paul DePodesta, AB, our front office, they and ownership, quite frankly, are so savvy when it comes to finding these cap issues that other teams have yes. and poaching. Yep. Um, I think they're the best in the league at this um, and finding the compensation that makes it work and being able to paratroop in. You mentioned the Amari Cooper deal. Now you have this with Darius Smith. Uh, this is nothing <laughs> from a give back standpoint. I mean, it's no. nothing. And you're getting a absolute dude and you did the same thing with Amari. And so what I, you're, you're so lucky from the standpoint as a Browns fan that you have a, an operation over there that knows everybody else's cap situations too. Oh, yeah. And they're making calls on stuff ahead of it to where the groundwork is being laid and you're able to hop in there. Well, and it also helps that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is... The relationship helps, the but there was no relationship helps. in Dallas. No, no, that one they pulled off. You're exactly right. They were able to get that done. He's, yeah, you're right. Very, very good at it. And I love the fact that we have a pipeline and eventually, you know, AB may have Glenn Cook somewhere, Catherine, Catherine right. Rache somewhere, and Kwesi. And then all of a sudden you got, you know, four squads that can help each other out, which is... Yeah, this it, is this was a nice solid. This is a big, big one. I'll be curious to see what number he wears. He started his career obviously as a fourth round pick with the Baltimore Ravens. Really kind of exploded his last year in his rookie deal at eight and a half sacks. Signs a big deal with Green Bay, where he's worn fifty five with Green Bay, and obviously with Minnesota last year. But I'm pretty post six fifty five for us right now. If I'm off the top of my head, I feel I feel confident about that. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, number Zadarius Smith ends up wearing for the Cleveland Browns. But it's a huge get. It's a Pro Bowl pass rusher. I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter where people were like, oh, we finally got a Pro Bowl linebacker. Folks, he's an edge rusher. He's he will play edge. defensive end for us. I would, they got, the NFL, honestly, they got to reclassify that. Like, it's it should just be edge. There should be edge, and then there should be a linebacker, and linebacker should just be off-ball linebacker. Correct. Yes. Yeah, it's just edge. T.J. Watts. T.J. Watts an edge. He's, a he's not a linebacker. Correct. Right. Um. All right, just from a – let me just see what would be – let's pick a uniform number for him right now if he hasn't – if if we don't uh, – you're right on Posick. I tell you what I would probably do. This is what I would do. I would say Luke Whipler. How about – how's 57 sound to you? And I'll take 56. little LT. A little LT. Okay. Yeah, close enough. All right, I like that. And I think that that – I don't think that would be a problem. No. Um, because once you get into the 90s – you know, the next ones are like 90, you know, Parian's 97. All the 90s are taken. Yeah. There isn't a 90 left that isn't. Now, they're young guys. I mean, I mean he could tell. He, Isaiah McGuire to 91. Like, you could do that. He could tell Maurice Hurst, hey, I'm taking 90. That's what I started my career with with the Ravens. Yeah, he could do that. And Maurice have, Hurst yeah. would probably be like, okay. Yeah, I don't know that there's much say in it. Uh, the only, in terms of open, 57 is open. But, no, that's Clay. That's retired, right? Or is that just Ring of Honor? I forget which ones. I know we have thirty-two, fourteen retired. I, yeah. I think he's up in the Ring of Honor. I know he's Ring of Honor, but he's you can if still use ring, ring of Honor. I remember the Ring of Honor thing when we had him in studio, but I can't remember. I don't think you can. I don't think Ring of Honor is retired number. I think our Listen, retired numbers are just thirty-two and fourteen. In my mind, it probably grows us too. In my mind, I think if you're in that Ring of Honor, you we're not using your number. 
No, because like Joe's in the Ring of Honor. He's not in the Ring of Honor. He's not. Well, he will. His be. snap streak is in the Ring of Honor. True. All right. He is not in the Ring of Honor yet. I feel like off the top of my head, the thirty-two, forty-five. Actually, there's quite a few of them. Yep. It's. I think it's if you're a it's Hall 57. of Famer. I think because Clay was the I'm first sure one that, that wasn't a I'm Hall pre- of Famer. I'm pretty sure the long snapper that – Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure the, <laughs> the long snapper we had when Spencer Lanning was the punter. All I want is a list. That's it. All right. So we've had Cam Johnson has worn it. Effetti Odenabo was just 57 with us a few years ago. Ben Still was 57 last year. Christian Yount, I had it right. The long snapper wow, when Spencer Lanning was here. Christian Yount wore 57. Yeah, but that so was before, retired. like, well, they just did the Clay Matthews celebration, what, yeah, two but ben years Still, ago, three years ago? Ben Still just here the, There's five. Graham and Brown, which I mentioned. Ernie Davis, 45. Got it. Don Fleming. Yep. And Lou Groza, those That's five. A, yeah, Fleming no. wore 46, Groza 76. So yeah, those are the retireds. So we've differentiated retired versus yeah. and ring of honor. Um, Adenabo wore it in 21 and 22. It's always ben tricky. Last year. It's always tricky from the standpoint of yeah. you feel like when it goes up there than it is. And then different outfits do different things. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons they've had so many receivers. They opened up the single digits for those guys to be able to wear because there just aren't enough numbers to go around. Yep. Um, I always think it's cool if you can do – Michigan did this a few years ago where you wore the retired player's number but, like, a made some sort it. of a patch yes. saying, hey – you know, this is who wore this. Yes, Jim uh, Brown. Yeah, yes, because it would be then you awesome. could like it'd be cool for Nick Chubb to wear 32 and to have, you know, Jim Brown. Because then what it does is it takes a kid like mine, yes. and then they Google it and go, now who's Ernie? Like, how many kids know who Ernie Davis is if they haven't seen the movie? There's no point of reference. Correct. Yep. On Ernie Davis. Um. So if same thing with Otto. Like Otto's forgotten all the time. I think anytime there's a great, we talk about it because we're from here. But like, anytime you talk about the greatest you know, quarterbacks in NFL history, his name is rarely brought up. Dr. Z, Paul Zimmerman, used to always say Otto Graham was the greatest quarterback of all time when he was the most influential NFL writer at SI. Yep. Um, But you don't have anybody carrying that anymore. So if you give a quarterback 14 and you put Otto on it or whatever, I don't know, I think the awareness is good. But, yeah, I think it's it's 90. Yeah, 90 feels good. 90 feels good, yeah. Christian Yount, how about that one? Give me. I forgot. Robin Yount's Robin Yount's son. <laughs> Maybe. Would have been. He seven. was a long snapper. Is a long snapper. And w- for if Spencer I recall, when he Bill got the it. yips, didn't he get the yips? I don't know. I don't remember that. We had a long snapper. Was it Pompreon? Maybe it wasn't. Yount never got the yips. They just eventually. I think they just moved on. He was here for a few seasons, though. There was a guy like he Charlie was really he was Chuck. really good, and all of a sudden he could not get the ball. Like snaps were going over heads, and no, we had a lot of ales, but I don't think Christian Yount was ever part of our our issues in my time here. Okay, but yeah, he had fifty seven. I was like watching a Charlie Hewlett uh, training camp practice. Those are my highlights. Well, you have a front row seat again this when year. He sits when on the medicine ball and not West Virginia. I won't. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he medicine balls it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's solid. Um, so that was – this was monumental. This is huge. There's a lot to it. Yeah, it's a – This is huge. And it um, – you can feel it with these AFC teams um, that they all are just looking around and going, we good yet? No? Maybe one more? It's kind of like in Ocean's Eleven when Clooney and Pitt are sitting at the bar and they're trying to decide how many they have. 
and Clooney's not, uh, Pitt's not, uh, Pitt's not saying anything. Yeah, Pitt's not saying anything. He's just drinking, and Clooney's going. You think we need one more? I think we need one more. You think we need one more? That's yeah, what it's like. We need That's, one more. We need one more. That's the AFC. Every AFC team right now. Do we need one more? Do we need one more receiver? Do we have enough corners? I think we need one more. Can we get after can, the quarterback? Can we get after the quarterback? I think we need one more. Let's because it's you look around this this damn conference. There's too much. It's too much talent, and a a really great team is going to miss the postseason entirely. Yes, probably two. Quite honestly. Yeah, and you want to make sure that that is not you. Well, and you, at the very least, you have to do everything in your power to make sure it's not you. Leave no stone unturned. Is kind of the setup there. So there's a yeah. lot to get to on this. Uh, did you guys have good weekends? Did you get out in uh, Nana? We do do we a nice a job nice, in Nana. Yeah, we had a nice a nice Mother's Day for Nana, and uh, yeah, it's been it was a great weekend. Beautiful weather. Uh, had a great time with the kids. We went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy three. A little more uh, intense and depressing than I expected the Guardians of the Galaxy movie to be, but still really? also awesome. Had a great meal at Lock Keepers right there, right oh, yeah. by the uh, by the theater. Um, and so yeah, it was it was. It was awesome, and then Saturday we just kind of had a, a fun, kind of lazy day, and and I was able to get out. I Arden came with me to the golf course, and so we hopped around at like four in the afternoon. I got to play number three, number six, and number nine. Played three holes. I like it because there were people on the other ones. So we just zip by, play a hole. I don't mind that. I, that's I have to. I do that a lot. It was that great. Is, that is the country Fine. club life. It was I great. Believe. Yeah, like birdie. Yeah. You well, can that, do that. You can pick and choose where you go. That's part of the deal. Yeah, made right? two birdies out of the three holes, so yeah. Arden was pleased. I was pleased. Did she take a swing? No, she didn't take a swing. She'd come out to the to the green with me, and we'd, we'd you know read it a little bit, a get little a nice bit, read, get a little read, yeah. and it was good. We had it was a blast, so that was fun. And then uh, I made uh, oh man, new addition to the Zagura Steakhouse menu. Okay, so did the classics. Obviously, we had a little shrimp cocktail beforehand. We had um, uh, the steaks, and it's funny now. When I get steaks for the three of us, because El Boods, as we know, he, mm-hmm. he dabbles in noodles. the grains, noodles and rice. He's a, he's a grains man. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't get a steak, but I get a ribeye every single time. If I cook, am I cooking myself steak? Always want a ribeye. Uh, Miss Kay is enjoying right now a grass-fed, which I don't like the grass-fed beef taste. <laughs> Me personally, I don't love it. But yeah. she's getting a gra- she goes grass-fed strip. And then Artie wants a little uh, filet mignon, obviously, yeah, 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 as, yeah, sure. as a young lady. So you get three cuts. That's the beauty of the sous vide, though, because all three end up perfectly, even though they're different thicknesses yep. and, and all of that. Fish on the grill. But so we had our steakhouse broccoli with it, which we always do. We had the fra- the rosemary frites, as we always do. I did some uh, red wine portobello mushrooms that were delightful. But the new star, something that I always love when I go to a steakhouse, but I don't do it. I've never done it at home before. Okay. I made a go healthy on. creamed corn. <sighs> How does one do that? I'm trying to imagine the last time I even had cream corn. It's got to be like my youth. Really? Yeah. So at a steakhouse where they have so and I, I just can't even remember even seeing it as like a side. Oh yeah, lots of. I guess it's maybe not with some jalapenos in it. Maybe it's just something I've never matriculated to. You've never even thought to dabble. Yeah, I usually try to go. You know, I usually I mean the Brussels asparagus world and then, sure, sure. So I, I guess I never well, just listen how easy this. So is. the only the last time I'm pretty sure the last time I had cream corn was like the can. Oh no, cream corn. No. Okay. Right, give it. So give it to me. Got straight. a big bowl. I had uh, six cobs of corn. Three were bicolor. Three were white. Yep. Just by chance, that was not intentional. So shave them down. 
raw right into the into my bowl, and then you use the back of your knife to run through what's left on there. It actually gets like a little bit of milk out of the corn. Oh, yeah, sure. So you yeah. run that through. So six of those in there, two jalapenos just chopped into like discs. Yep. Seeds it all in. You love the seeds. The heat, baby. He likes that heat. Yeah. I like that heat. Love the seeds. So all that's in the bowl on the on a pan. Uh, two tablespoons of ghee. Okay. So that's not huge no. amount. No. Two that's tablespoons of ghee, too, by the way. With everything that's in the bowl. So all the corn, all the jalapenos for about five minutes. Get it mixing around mm-hmm. and whatever. Then at the five minute mark, I had skim milk. Skim milk. Put that in so kind of just enough that it like you can see it in there, you know, I all like the it. way around. And then some arrowroot, which is a white powder that is really just a thickening agent. It has no flavor. I've never heard of it. So you can use it instead of cornstarch. It's a, sure. it's a more natural okay. cornstarch. So some of that in there. Mix there it go. around. Mix it around. It's about another five minutes or so till you cook all the, the milk out of it and it kind of just absorbs and it became this Unbelievably fresh, and just salt and pepper. That's it. That is That's literally easy. It. it was amazing. I, I like this. Not I like this. And it's. I mean, so I think not the only bad for you either. For me, I think that. I mean, the, I was thinking about because like, I was thinking about it from the position of the children. I would just do it without the jalapenos. Well, right. You would just and do the straight cream corn. Yeah. 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 Was this a recipe you found? No. I or just, did you just, just in your head you thought? So Let's try I this. looked up how could I do a healthy one. Yeah. And they had there were a bunch, and I didn't like kind of what they were saying, and so I was like, if I just put a little ghee in here, and then I use milk with their root to make kind of the cream, as opposed to using any kind of cream, I was like, this should work. Yeah. Lo and behold, boy, did it! It sure did. And my favorite cream corns always have jalapenos in it, so that's why I got gotcha. you. And you I, don't and like that's that's cream. Why I did it. That's probably, right. So there was no so cream. You, yeah. yeah. So that's how that's how you get in the world is that you're looking for that heat. Oh baby. And so that's why heat you're with looking, the sweet. The that's why that's so why sweet. you're looking for it though on a steakhouse, is because you know that it's there. That cream cone, I love it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So that's good. That's very good. And you you were good. Everything good. Bombs. Every you did all the things you needed well, to do. Well, you know, with the family. <laughs> We never do anything small. This is a party for 50 people. He had to rent out a hall for On Thursday. a whim? Or was this planned? It was planned, but I didn't really 50? know the details till yeah. about a week ago. What is ago. going on? <laughs> uh, the grandbaby's first birthday is this Peepaw. week. Oh, Peepa. So Peepaw. it was comboed up with the Mother's Day celebration. You stacked it. Yeah, my wife I like was, that. My Two wife birds, said, one stone, though. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know if my wife was the most popular, but she's like, this is how we're doing it because I'm not rolling back a, a no, I like party it. next week. I think it's a savvy move by Mrs. Gibby. That's yes. exactly what you do. Two birds, one stone. Yep. She, by the uh, way, everybody of those 50 who would be doing the double dip is appreciative that you did it. That's, that's what right. I'm like. Everybody I've, is. Yeah. Nobody's losing. I don't think all the parents, the grandparents, mm-hmm. maybe no. didn't buy in at first because like they're like, "Hey, it's Mother's Day." Well, they don't have me. anything to do, and you're like, either like yeah. they don't have. They don't, what are they doing? They're not doing anything, so they want all this stuff. Right, people coming that. over they all the time and hanging out. They just, yeah. For yeah. everybody else, it's perfect. Yeah, made had a bunch of food. I like it. A bunch of pulled pork and. Can I say something else? Yeah. And this always blew my mind when we had the bo- with with the boys when they were at this. The amount of pomp and circumstance for the first birthday oh is Outrageous. absurd, especially when yes. considering. I mean, what's the guy actually accomplished? He's not doing much. <laughs> I mean, so, well, I he, mean had like, a, he had a cake. He, he got gets, to mash up of course, and wear all right. over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's great. So that's part one. At best, he's kind of like waddling around a little bit, 
Oh, he was wa- he's walking. Yeah, what's uh, that, so like 11 was... months they start to cruise? Yeah. He, so he's, he's cruising. Okay, great. He's he's going to remember none of it. We got in the car, and I'm like, hey, great day, awesome time, great ideas. Yep. Yeah, like, my kid did a great job putting it together. The wife helped execute it. I go, we don't run this back. No, no. What should happen is, and this would be my rule for all the people out there, Take the efforts and attention on the first birthday and do it for the 10th. Then, now you're going to get what you want. Yes. Or if you want, like, the child fun, pure joy, then go, like, seven or eight. Like, do it then. No one, no kid at one needs all this. And nobody even remembers that. They don't know what the birthday. hell they're doing. They're not doing, they did, of course not. They want to smash some cake. That's exactly what happened. You could have too. nobody there. You could take a, a cake, put it down, crash, Done. Game, set, match. Yeah. Do it later when they can – when you get – because what you want as a grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, is you want, like, them excited for whatever it is that they got. That happens at, like, from ages, I don't know, 3 to 10. You have the whole window. Correct. Pick one in there arbitrarily and go. Yeah. My one nephew showed up with a football. I was like, circle up all the kids. You go, go play football outside. We were go. in a park. We had a pavilion, an indoor pavilion. Yeah, I was like, it. go outside. Go live your best life. You that's don't have to sit here. Plus, at 10, you have a chance that whatever you get them can be used for a long time or even worn for at least a reasonable period yeah. of time. At 1, can be it's, special. It's That's outdated in three months. I wanted, to get, I wanted to get him something like cool from the Browns, from the team, and then I thought about it. I'm like, in six months, he won't be able to wear it. That's right. I don't want to do this yet. No. No. I'm not going no. down this no. road. No. no. That almost sounded like it. I thought uh, you were going to say something else. Yeah, it, so- it sounded like I'm it. not going to do, do this, this yet, but it sounded like – Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It almost yep. had it. it almost. It almost. Would have been great. Uh, been happy, happy Mother's Day to all the, all the yes. moms out yes. there belated uh, a day late. And um, all the different forms of moms. There's so many yeah. different. It's wonderful. It is. It is. Very much. Um, all right. Hey, Browns fans. Do you want to experience the 2023 Brown season in some of the best seats in Cleveland Browns Stadium? Yeah. Visit. Oh, here we go again. You do it. Look, I don't Laycom. know. Laycom. Laycom. This is what we need the people to do. They need to spell this phonetically for me. Yeah. So, L-A-Y-C-O-M. Laycom.edu slash Browns for your chance to win two field seats for the 2023 season, courtesy of Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Sweepstakes ends August 30th. Laycom.edu slash Browns. Is Jake next? Jake will join us next. All right. Jake Trotter joining us. Yep. Go ahead. also just go with an L-E-C-O-M.edu. Spell it out for the people because they might not know when you say Lacon, they might not know what that website is. Is that honest. a known? Is that a known? Is Lacom like how it's called? I believe so. Okay. Yeah, it, you're it right. Is. That would probably be the way to do it. L e c o m. That's what I'm going to do it that way. I'm going to do it that way. Yeah, because then you could. I could be driving and I hear like, and if I didn't know. Yeah, but I don't know. Is that we don't know because we're not from here. I don't know. He said, I believe. He didn't give us – that was that wasn't emphatic? Feel, no, that wasn't okay. emphatic at all. All right. Jake Trotter up next. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey, guys. It's Steve Covino from Covino and Rich. Here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck 
like a rugged half-ton tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk Serious Lawyers, Serious Injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. And with that, we headed on the Twisted Tea hotline for a conversation with our good buddy Jake Trotter of uh, ESPN NFL Nation. Uh, well, that's a, that's a heck of a Friday news dump, buddy, uh, that, that little acquisition. What did you make of, of how that went down and maybe even the timing of how it went down? Well, I was getting ice cream with the kids, so I wasn't <laughs> particularly thrilled with the, the, the timing. I was actually texting with someone. Uh, at the uh, with the Browns over the weekend, I said there should be a rule that in the month of May you're not allowed to make trades uh, after 5 p.m. And this person, I like agreed. it. Yes, you know, they, I they, agree. Everybody had to uh, react to uh, what was happening, but uh, even though it happened uh, on a random Friday evening, it was a significant trade for the Browns. I think we all agree that was kind of the one last move they needed to make when you surveyed the roster and, and trying to find you know potential pitfalls. Defensive end still looked a little thin just in terms of, you know, proven commodities, and they got a proven commodity there for sure. They did, and you think about now the additions to this defensive line, Jake, uh, joining Miles, you've got Zadarius Smith, you've got Obo Ronquo, and you've got Dalvin Tomlinson. This has to be music to Jim Schwartz's ears, but, you know, when's the last time we had two double-digit sack guys? We got close with Clowney a couple of years ago, but Zadarius Smith is a much better pass rusher than Clowney ever was three double-digit sack seasons. This is it, – it's pretty incredible what they were able to pull off here, and it feels like, once again, not at uh, much cost whatsoever. No, and, and, you know, listen, the Browns continue to, you know, parlay these draft picks into star players, which is fine. The Rams won a Super Bowl with that method, uh, Nathan, and obviously the Browns have not gone to that extent, but they, they're definitely pushing every chip they have in for the 20 – you know, 23 season. And, you know, not only Smith, uh, you know, double digit sack guy, uh, I, I, what was the stat I had? I think he's one of five players who have, um, I want to say 10 plus sacks in, in, uh, I guess the, 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 the statistic four. is, uh, yeah, three out of the last four seasons, double digit sack totals. Miles, obviously is the other, uh, along with get this Aaron Donald, TJ Watt and Hassan Reddick. So, Really yeah. good company there, and then on top of that, you know, you know, Zadarius faced one of the the fourth highest double team rates in Minnesota last year, along with Miles. So, you know, and then you throw in Obo, who uh, got double teamed a lot in Houston. I think he was top fifteen uh, in double team rates. So, those three guys, you would think, if they can play to their potential, are all going to face fewer double teams. Certainly, Smith and Obo. 
and they're going to yeah. get more opportunities to wreak havoc on the pass. And you guys know Jim Swartz's defense, it starts with disruption up front, and they have tried to pull every lever they have in order to get the players that can create that disruption, which is going to you know, create TFLs, is going to create sacks, and then you hopefully you know, turnovers, whether it's fumbles or interceptions. You know, this is the second time in a couple of years, too, Jake, that, that Andrew Berry's been able to, to acquire. I mean, he did this with Cooper for a fifth. Um, I mean, there's a couple of fives in here, but like, it's, it's really something to, and it, I think it speaks to, um, you know, he's just doggedly pursuing, improving this roster. Um, and I, I feel like he never stops looking for options. This one to me feels like a, a minimum requirement based on the arms race and the rest of the AFC though. Right. I mean, isn't that, that's the other part of it. It's like you had to do something like this. Yeah. No question. And some of the moves that they've made, which have been aggressive are more long-term like the Elijah Moore yeah. trade, you know, yeah. that that's more of a long-term view that like that guy's going to be our slot receiver, you know, for the next however many years. That's not, not just a 2023 uh, move. I, th- I think Oboe could be a guy that could be, you know, part of the core going forward. If he, you know, continues to develop and starts turning those pass rush win rates into sacks, um, you know, somebody like Cedric Tillman, when you went into the draft, you weren't thinking they needed an outside receiver. But I think when you started to think about it, they actually do. Um, because, you know, the, the, rea- the reality is, is they're not going to be able to run it back with Amari and DPJ, you know, from a money perspective long term. So you've got a sure. guy in Tillman that, like, you know, can be a starter down the line. This trade on Friday feels like it's all about 2023. Like, yeah. we're, we're yep. trying to maximize this roster. So it's been a little bit of a blend of both. Um, but I do think that they feel like, you know, our our window is now, and we can't we can't have anything, you know, holding us back. We can't leave anything behind here. We've got to do everything we can to maximize this roster because, man, the AFC North is so good. I mean, it's just so good. Every, everybody in that division, with maybe the exception of Pittsburgh, should have Super Bowl aspirations. And I ain't I ain't counting Pittsburgh out either. I mean, they just find a way to be good every year. So you, you have got to do everything you can. And that's what Andrew has done with this trade. And again, like, you know, the value is there. Uh, they got value in the Elijah yeah. Moore trade. In my view, they got a lot of value in this trade. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to get good value and you're going to make your team better, uh, that would, that would constitute a pretty good move in my opinion. Right. Yeah. And it's one thing too. I think people should remember. It's one thing. The Rams kind of more traded draft picks for players straight up. AB has kind of created this new style of trading where, yeah, I'll give you the draft pick you want, but you have to give me one back. And so you're still getting the same yeah. number of picks. You're not losing the players, and that gives you, I think, mm-hmm. the ability to get studs now but also do some you know, succession planning. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jake, that this draft was – you know, in many ways, succession planning at very key positions, you could say on the offensive line, at wide receiver, and then and uh, the, at the edge position. But also, you know, you are able to make some moves that are for now. And there's no question this team is in a now mode, but they also have that eye towards when money's going to have to go and be distributed other places. Now we have guys waiting to step into those otherwise expensive spots. So uh, they are all in. It's going to be wild, man. Jake, don't you think when you get to September, we open with the Bengals. What was kind of your reaction to that schedule? You talked about this division. We can talk about the conference, but three of the first four in the division, and you get a guy whose career started here with the Baltimore Ravens and Zadarius Smith for that early division push. 
Well, Nathan, you know, the point you made about getting that extra pick, it kind of reminds me of those NBA trades where a team will push for a pick swap and the team mm-hmm. getting the star players, like, yeah, what do we care? We're always going to be better. You know, fuck mess, yep. fuck this. And then sure enough, four years down the line, you know, that pick swap turns into, you know, a pretty good player. And, you know, if you have extra, you know, six-round picks, you can trade up to get back into the fifth round. You have extra, you know, fourth-round picks, you can trade up to get into the third round. So it gives you more flexibility in the draft. You know, as far as the schedule, the schedule is very manageable without looking at the order of the teams they have to play. I mean, the Browns play the six worst teams from last season this year. Um, Yeah. But I did think that the schedule was constructed in probably the most difficult way it could be, where <laughs> yep. right out of the gate, you're you got to come to play. And I mean, it seems strange, I, I, but I, I believe this 100 percent that the most important game of the year is actually that opener against Cincinnati because it's going to set a tone, one way or the other. Um, you have a, an opportunity to, I think, gain some confidence. And, you know, put yourself in position to actually win the AFC North if you can come away with that win. Conversely, guys, if you lose that game, I mean, think about the pressure that's going to be on this team heading into week two, Monday Night Football. At yes. This, oh, my God. A place, that, a place that, like, this team has just not had a lot of success whenever there's been fans in the stadium. Uh, you know, that, that 2020 playoff victory is really the outlier and – I, I just, you know, that, that's why it feels like such an important game to me to get off to a good start. Um, and then because the other, you know, if they were playing like, you know, Houston, Indy, and I don't know, like the Cardinals two, week two, three, and four, I don't think the Cincy game would be quite as important. But because you go to Pittsburgh for Monday Night Football and then you get the Ravens two weeks later, I mean, you've got to get off to a good start. You just, in this division, can't be sitting there at one and three and expect to have the kind of season that I think that a lot of people think that you should have this year. Right. Well, and I think, you know, he didn't know the schedule at the time when the, like the Greenbrier stuff came out and, um, and that, but I, I think you're looking at a, I mean, you're looking at a very long camp, right? Because we have the Hoff going into the hall of fame. So you have the extra week. Um, and I, I wonder if that's what the Greenbrier thing was about. And it just might also help that now it kind of helps with, with that, because this is going to be a long haul, man. Yes. Uh, it really is. Um, through, late July until you finally play a game uh, that opener in September. That is a long stretch. And I'm wondering if that Greenbrier trip kind of factors into that a little bit. No, I think that's exactly right, Bo. Um, and you're right. They did, you know, they did have that plan before they knew what the schedule was going to be. And it had less, you know, less to do obviously with the fact you're opening up with Cincinnati and more to do with the fact that this is going to be like the longest training camp. It's going to feel like of all time. I mean, it, yeah. you know, they're starting, I think, eight days sooner than normal. You've got the Hall of Fame game and then three preseason games. Uh, and then you're going to have a ton of hype going into Cincinnati. So it's going to be draining. And I think that's why Kevin wanted to get away to kind of, you know, to, to mix up the monotony of training camp. You know, you go to West Virginia, you know, you kind of recreate the old, you know, training camps where you used to, you know, go to, you know, some place and, and you know, hunker down. And, uh, I, you know, Kevin's always looking for opportunities to build chemistry and camaraderie, and I think this is just another example of that. But, yeah. you know, if they were not starting in, what is it, July, like 22nd or something, That's 21st? Right. <laughs> if they yeah, weren't starting that early, I don't know that they'd be going to West Virginia. But for that reason, no. you got to do something to mix it up. Jake, I'm curious, when you talk to your 
colleagues around the league. What is the perception of the Browns, even you can even say post this Darius Smith trade, in terms of what the ceiling is? And I ask this because as we're talking and scrolling on Twitter, looking you know for anything related to the Browns, FanDuel just put out, would you change anything here? Way too early playoff picture. Uh-huh. And AFC, one Chiefs, two Bills, three Ravens, four Jags, five Jets, six Bengals, seven Dolphins in the hunt. Steelers, Chargers, Raiders, no mention of the Browns. And I think that the Browns are wow. not getting coverage for a variety of reasons. I, I, we, I think they're pretty specific well documented, one, specific yeah. one. And I understand that. But are do you find, at least and maybe not in your off-the-cuff discussions with your colleagues, do people see this as a, a viable contending roster? I think that, I think people see it as dangerous. You know, nobody's putting the Browns in the Bills, Chiefs, Bengals to your – I don't even think that at this point people are putting them, you know, in the Ravens, maybe even Jets, Chargers, kind of that range, even though they probably, from a talent perspective, uh, deserve to be there. I mean, I was looking at our ESP and power rankings, which, you know, there's 30-something people that vote on that. Were the Browns like 17th or something, 15th, 16th, 18th, somewhere in that range? I mean, well outside the top 15. So, I mean, I, I think that they are – Definitely under the radar. Uh, the reason you just mentioned is probably part of why they're just not a team that anybody wants to or is talking about nationally right now. But I do think people recognize that, like, if this team puts it together, like, they're going to be a factor. Uh, I, I, I don't think anybody would, yes. would be surprised nationally if the Browns, you know, made the playoffs or even won the AFC North if, you know, you get that first win over Cincinnati. And then, you know, at that point, um, you know, from a talent perspective, that would be a team I would not want to face in the playoffs. But I think right now, like, they're probably, like, you know, I think the average national person, you know, in the media probably views the Browns in, like, the six to nine range in the AFC, right? Does that seem fair? Sure. Sure. I mean, it's a loaded, it's a loaded conference. It's loaded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. And I, I think, too, guys, the other the other thing here is is that, it's not just the Deshaun, you know, stuff. Why people don't want to don't want to have the conversation, but it's also that in the six games you saw, it wasn't great from him, and so it's been a long time since anyone remembers him. It's been over two years since anybody remembers him being great, and I think that that contributes to. I think it's mostly what the off-field stuff that reason that we don't get talked yeah. about much and him. But I also think if he were gangbusters last year in those six, if he was shot out of a cannon, yeah. or even if there was two or three games when you were like, wow, 22 at 28, 325, three scores, ran for another 60, like one of those in there, I think that it's a totally different tenor. But I think it's almost sometimes people forget he's omnipresent that he's here and that we acquired him almost entirely forgotten what he is as a player because it's been so long, if that makes sense. Agreed. No, I, I agree. You know, I, I mean, think I that's think right. Though. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I mean, Nathan's right. There were definitely flashes, right? We saw them, but the overall body of work, I mean, he was the 27th ranked quarterback in QBR in the six games that he played, you know, over that stretch, yep. he was basically where Russell Wilson ranked. And we all, you know, know what the, the narrative is on Russell Wilson right now. So that's, that's definitely a part of it. I mean, I think the difference is, is you can sort of explain why Deshaun Watson played the way he did 700 days away, you know, all the stuff off the field, you know, that he's been accused of and and that was going through. And then training camp was a circus because of all of that. Russell Wilson, like, you know, he played the whole season. He just wasn't any good. I think people, uh, Deshaun Watson's younger. 
uh, by a considerable amount. So, like, there is more reason to think that Watson could get back to the level he was at than, say, Russell Wilson. And I think that's why, like, you know, the Browns' ceiling to me is much higher than somebody like Denver's. Yeah, and and weather was a factor. I mean, his game against the Saints. I just think if if he he even just had one. It was just the half against Washington. It was just one game where it was like, whoa. Yeah. And they're just what we just didn't have a full game, and I think that people have kind of forgotten mm-hmm. what he's capable of. I think there's no doubt, and I think that the Browns said, you know what, we saw the glimpses, we know what you can be with a full off season. I think we all underestimated. I was very guilty of it because so he was, was so good at practice that you could just kind of go down this parallel pass, two different offenses. He can come back in the building, you know, a few weeks prior, and then he's only going to be able to practice really the week before the use game, and he's just going to come in and be awesome. I think we were naive to think that. And obviously that was not the case. You saw things against Cincinnati that were great. You made some big-time throws against Baltimore. That second half against Washington was good. You made some big-time throws against Pittsburgh. Made some bad throws as well. But I think they thought, you can see it. We need to now build this thing around him, all going in one direction. And let's get him talent. I think one of the underrated stories this offseason, we've talked so much about this defense, but the fact that you've added Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin, who can still fly, and Cedric Tillman into that receiver room, and you don't even necessarily need Tillman this year, yeah. but if he is so good that you can't keep him off the field, that's a wonderful situation to have. But don't you think that there was a cognitive – and to bring in Jordan Akins. I think Akins, him, too, is a big one. Yeah. To get him weapons, Jake, and, and, and really say, let's make sure that we don't, as your point, get another guy. We need another one. Let's get another one. Let's make sure he has everything at his disposal to be great again. And I think that's what Elijah Moore certainly was all about. Yeah, I mean – Despite all the moves they made on the defensive line, you could make the case that wide receiver is the most improved position group. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but I could make that case, and it's, it's because of all the moves you just laid out. And, yeah, like at the end of the year, I mean, it was Michael Woods the second. It was David yep. Bell. It was like a couple of rookies that they were, were relying on alongside an injured Amari Cooper and then DPJ and, and Njoku. I mean, it was not the best, you know, most right. formidable pass-catching contingent there at the end of the year and then like now I mean a lot of the guys that played last year would not be able to make the rotation that they're going to fire out there this season and so like there's no excuses you know he's had yeah you know he's going to have a full off season in the offense he's got a full year with yep. Stefanski uh you know a lot of the legal stuff although not all of it is behind him and he's going to have a much more I think potent receiving and tight end core than he did last year so like yeah. this offense should be really 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 good it should be awesome we're excited to see it. All right, we'll leave you with get you out here on this one, Jake. What what else? Is there anything else to do to this roster right now or this summer? What do you see Andrew Barry doing, if anything else? Or do you think with the signings of McLeod, which we didn't even talk about, which is a great, I think, signing for that right. safety room, and now getting Zadarius Smith, are we are we pretty good? What else, if anything, do you see? I mean, you can always you make improvements around the edges but I think that like this is the team they're probably going to roll into the season with I mean they're not going to have a lot of you know cap space at this point uh to do much and there's no position that you look at now and you say they've got to add somebody there like if they added another you know veteran running back or a veteran defensive tackle like you could make the case for that You, you can always use another corner in the AFC but I think for the most part, they seem to be set. But I say that, and Andrew will probably ruin my next ice cream social uh, <laughs> in the next few days. But uh, I think right now, like, they – you know, the thing I heard about was defensive end. They were going to try to add a veteran defensive end 
after the draft. Now, I didn't think it was going to be a, a, one of the caliber of Smith, but right. I haven't really heard yeah. another position that they are in the mix for. So, like, certainly we could be surprised. But I, I think if you're asking me what I think is going to happen, um, I think this is basically going to be the team they roll into the 2023 season with. <laughs> Looks good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Good stuff, buddy. Always appreciate yes. your time. Thanks for giving hey, us a little bit of a shout, shout out to Trotter, by the way. Okay. Like, he's got a whole house full of, like, kids that, <laughs> that are sick. <laughs> I, what do you got? You got sick I'm kids, Jake, in May? Which is a, uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, we got three strep throat uh, diagnoses. <sighs> These kids. These kids, man. Petri dishes. Yeah. You can't get sick in May, man. We just used to get – is that just to get off my lawn, or is that real? I don't remember being sick in May. Agreed. Oh, I mean, the well, days that it's yeah, like 50 degrees and raining, and then the next day it's That's 70. That's we had the shifts. That's... Yeah, and the allergies. I think the allergies are crushing people. God forbid, Jake. Hang in there, buddy. Yes. I tell the kids, I tell the kids, because they used to interrupt me on radio all the time when they were a little bit younger, and I say, now, if you guys interrupt me, daddy's going to get fired, and we're going to have to sell all your toys to pay for food. <laughs> so uh, they, I had to lay down. I had to come up with a dire uh, scenario. But they abide by it now. They don't they don't well, have you heard God. of any kids since I got Nothing. No. I mean I think anytime you threaten yeah. the, the, the taking of toys that that's yeah, that'll that's an attention getter in the words of Buford D. Justice. Yeah. 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 All right, yeah. buddy. Thanks for your time. See you guys. All right. Jake Trotter joining us on the Twisted Tea Hotline. Brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns keep it twisted Cleveland. By the way, how about we just had Jake on? And this Darius Smith trade is such a big deal, and yeah. it really is of the magnitude. We didn't even mention, hey, any takeaways from rookie minicamp or any like the poor rookies? Because frankly, let's be honest about it. None of these them are guys, other than Siaki Ika. He's the are only one. not supposed to contribute. Now, I was. I hope Tillman can. Sure, but that's a but that's bonus. That's a bonus. Yeah, that's a yeah. he's gonna take that's somebody's when, job type. Of coming out of the draft, I said, who's got to go? There's only one who's got to go, and Ika. it was Ika. That's yeah. it. None of the rest of them have to go. And he's a big dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's, uh, that's the operation there uh, on that. Oh, by the way. I'm just laughing, though, because there are times when rookie <laughs> minicamp would have been, like, the biggest deal. All well, of our saviors are out there. Right. And now Correct. It's... Oh, my gosh. Even Nobody. Since, even since I've been here when all I know is winning, I mean, the you know, that would have been coming out of, you know, the year coming out of Baker um, and all of that. So, I mean, yeah, these, this has been – this has been a lot of it. Yeah. This is where we pay attention to this stuff. It's very, very different, obviously. I can also tell you from Vinny and uh, and Pete that it is Lecom. Lecom, not Lecom. I've seen I, this too. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I, no, no, no. I didn't say you were, it. No, you were I not did not say it. No, 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 I know you didn't. No, I know you, you didn't. Said, yeah. Vinny and Lecom Pete both telling sense. us it's Lecom. And that makes more sense. Lecom. Yeah. Lecom. Yeah. So that's Lake that's, Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. That's it. Yeah, Lee that's Cohen. that's the way that goes. And you guys spell it out. At least I got the uh, I got the Zedari. So he was getting ice cream. I got the text from you. We were about halfway through uh, Beamsy's Lacrosse. I was at Drug Highland. Mart. <laughs> I was at Drug Mart. <laughs> dinner at Lockkeepers. And you were at Lockkeepers. Ner- anxiously, our we sat down. We got. Oh there my god! Because you could have got a movie at age. Did you 10. think you were getting pulled? No, I did not think. I figured there's no way that there was anything. Well, there's all plus. There's sometimes they yeah. go in a different direction on that. Go right. ahead. I'm sorry. Should have interrupted. But at that moment, we were there was a little bit of a lull. You can interrupt me anytime. There's a little <laughs> bit of a lull going on, and so 
You never know. We were like, are we going to get our food in time for this movie? And then I'm like, hey, Zedary Smith of Cleveland Brown. Oh, my God. And that was one of those, well, hey, i got to be on my phone for a second. Give me a minute. Yeah, yeah give yeah. me a minute. Do they, are your kids like, Dad, you don't want us on our phone at, at No, dinner? they know. I'm they under, good they're old enough it. to understand. Yeah, because we'll both – everybody tries to be on the same page with that. Yeah, yeah. I have to explain the difference between work and yeah. goofing around on some TikTok. app. TikTok. Yeah, mine aren't there yet, thank God. But yeah. I'm guessing that will be there soon enough. I mean, my daughter – she loves the, on Snapchat. Apparently, they like snap pictures of each other's like half of their faces all day long. So she's kind of like, it's crazy. It's the she end. delivered though one of the greatest gifts and cards to Miss K yesterday. It was very emotional, and powerful. So she, right now she's she's got a lot of cachet. She's got a lot of call, as it were. A lot of call. Already's got a lot. Of I call got cachet, right baby. Yeah. What was that? That's where he was <laughs> seven. The name seven. He was trying to name the kid seven. Costanza was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got cachet, baby. It's got cachet, baby. All right, second hour of the program. Up next, uh, we'll get into a little bit of rookie minicamp. We'll get into uh, Coach Stefanski from his presser last week, the offseason, uh, the trip to Puerto Rico, our offensive players we'll go around the league as well, uh, plus a little bit later on. Matthew Collar going to join us. He's a good friend. He's on the Purple Insider. Um, he will join us uh, to discuss Sedarius Smith and his form, uh, which, quite frankly, here's a teaser, very, very good. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns. Help with your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Bilk Bone, the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. This was on Friday. Coach Stefanski addressing the media uh, in in light of rookie minicamp. A little bit of schedule release in here as well as uh, Deshaun Watson taking the offense to Puerto Rico for a little bit of time. Here's Kevin Stefanski at the podium. Kevin, what was your reaction when you saw the schedule and you had three division opponents in the, the first month? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, as you guys know, you don't control the schedule. Uh, you, you really just, you're ready to play wherever they tell you to play. I think it's it's a unique thing to have the three division opponents in the first four weeks. I believe we're the only team that has that in the NFL, and, and I look at it as a great opportunity. Does it cause you to adjust anything about your training camp? Uh, I think we'll get there. Not yet, no. Um, I, I do think the one unique part there, Tony, is uh, having coordinators that you've gone against. They, they've gone against us. We've gone against them quite a bit over the last few years. So uh, I'm talking with Cincinnati and with Pittsburgh back-to-back. But uh, it remains to be seen how much we adjust going through training camp in the preseason. Workload and preseason game time and all that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about workload. I mean, I don't care who the first two opponents are. It's going to be tough. It just always is. Uh, The fact that it's a division opponent really means they know us really well. We know them really well. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see uh, what type of adjustments both sides make. Kevin, um, your thoughts on Deshaun Watson going to Puerto Rico. First off, did he discuss that with you? And and so what, what do you think about that? Uh, he did, but as you know, Jeff, voluntary program. Uh, I'm very appreciative of the guys that, that are here and, and working here. And then when the guys uh, decide that they want to get together and, and be a team, uh, I'm very, very much in favor of that. Did you give him a script of things you'd like him to do? Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to. So if we're not allowed to, <laughs> no. If we are allowed to, yes. What were your first impressions of some of uh, you know some of the 
earlier picks from today had it said were, you know, eyeball test. Yeah, I think yeah, it's. I think they did a nice job, Mary Kay. As you can imagine, it's it's like drinking through a fire hose for these guys when it, the amount of information that we're throwing at them. So just breaking the huddle, getting lined up, can be a challenge. And and you mentioned said he he was really good getting out of the huddle. I thought uh, DTR did a very nice job in the huddle explaining where everybody's lining up, getting them out of the huddle, uh, called the plays really, really well. So uh, it's, it's, it's elementary. I mean, it's, we're, we're really uh, football 101 right now in terms of scheme. Uh, but it's, it's a new language, and it's easier for me to say because I've been all around this language, but uh, I think they're all working really hard. Kevin, one come out okay? Yeah. He needed some time away there in the middle of practice. Yeah, he, he's doing just fine. Dorian mentioned that there were, he felt like there were some similarities between the offense he ran with Chip and what you guys do. Would you agree? And if so, I mean, what ways would you say there is? Yeah, I think, I think there's elements to what they did. There's really elements to... To, to a lot of college offense, to what we do and what we have in our system. Uh, you know, teams are a lot more similar than they are dissimilar, I would think. Uh, so there, there's definitely plays that have stood the test of time that show up in high school and college and the pros and are part of what we do. Uh, and then it's just a matter of the nuances that, that differentiate you. He said uh, he, was, uh, he, he, he was better receiver than Cedric, at least at, from the, at the start. Uh, uh, maybe I'll, I'll say this: it, it is that's such a cool uh, story and, and a cool thing to be able to bring your high school buddy with you to work every day. Uh, those two are inseparable in the building so far. They're kind of walking around together. So, uh, I, I, and I think it helps. It helps that they play a position where they're talking to each other quite a bit, so they can study together. Those type of things. I actually enjoy having fewer players on the field. Where like even seeing you out there doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah, I mean. There's different ways to do it. I've been around the rookie mini camps where you bring in 70 guys and and it's uh, you're you're doing full team drills and seven on seven those type of things. For us, we just feel like the best thing to do is to slow it down. I mean, we're doing, we're, it's the basics. It's it's how to get into a stance, uh, how to come out of your stance. Uh, so it's it's really very very uh, entry level stuff, if you will. But that's what we're here to do. It's it's skill development. It's it's fundamentals and techniques. Right now is the focus. Calling plays and models. Orion didn't do that. UCLA. Right. So, so is that the immediate project for him? Yeah, honestly, Tony, I don't think it's a challenge. I don't see that as a problem or an, a, uh, an issue for him. He's very, very intelligent. He did it uh, at the East-West Shrine game uh, and had no problems. Um, he, he's a smart kid. Hey, Kevin, with DeWine, I know you watch a bunch of film, but having a guy that big with that kind of movement skill you know, right in front of you, um, how did it look and how did you think he moved for being that big? Yeah, again, day one for these guys. I mean, literally, Bill has him in his stance, trans putting his weight on his right foot or his outside foot or where he wants his hand placement. So it's very, very uh, entry-level um, football right now for him. And I thought he did a nice job. It's, it's, it's going to be a challenge for all these guys. We're going to ask him to use technique that's a little bit different, at, really, at every position. Uh, and, and he's very receptive to that. Coming to the schedule, are you ready to say what you're going to do between Denver and L.A.? It's not finalized yet, Tony, but that's definitely something that we're considering is staying out there in L.A. Af after Denver. Why, why do you think it's going to be a benefit? Just eliminate a trip? Yeah, I think eliminating a, a trip, number one, from a, a rest and recovery standpoint. Uh, and then I think it's, it's never a bad thing when you can get your team together in a setting. Kevin, we talked about the, the the true rookies, the guys coming right out of college, but you got a bunch. You have a number of guys out there that you know were with you through 
training camp mm -hmm. and, and all of last season. What about some of those guys and just what you've seen some of the development? Right? Yeah, I think it's such a great benefit to be able to have those guys out here. Um, a lot of this they've heard often, so uh, them uh, breaking the huddle maybe is not the big challenge, but they get one-on-one -on -one, uh, work with their coaches. Uh, think about the wide receivers. Think about Coach Callahan here. They, they get smaller groups uh, that, that they can really hone in and, and teach these young men, and, and they're doing a nice job. It's a great opportunity for them uh, to be able to attend this. Kevin, Kevin we, we haven't talked to you uh, since you guys drafted Whipler. Mm -hmm. uh, so what did you guys like about him throughout the process that led you to him? Yeah, a good football player, played a lot of good football for them down there uh, in Columbus. Uh, tough, very, very intelligent, uh, scrappy, uh, just uh, fits in with, with what we do. So I think it's a, a nice player to have for Coach uh, Callahan, Coach Peters, Coach DeCosta to get their hands on. Kevin, he, he told us that he liked kind of a chess game of football, the playing center. That's what he likes about it. Do you Have you gotten a chance to kind of see that in him a little bit? Not yet. Um, I, I think centers by nature oftentimes are, are really, really intelligent guys because you're making a lot of adjustments at the line of scrimmage when it comes to protection and the run game and those type of things. So uh, we ask a lot of our centers. I think Ethan and Nick do a great job in that area. So in, in that regard, uh, he'll fit right in. Kevin, I know with the schedule you talk all the time, but you can't control any element of that. But the early bye week and having that in week five, what the challenges are going to be of having it come that early for you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's challenges. I think you just... They put the buy or they put the games wherever they are. I mean, I don't know that reordering the games or reordering the buy makes the schedule much different from my perspective. It's just we're kind of next game mentality. So if the buy is when it is, we'll, we'll take a breather when it shows up. Uh, part of this is to show them what kind of shape they are going to need to be in when they come back for veteran uh, full squad. That, that's not the intention, Mary Kay. It's not, you know, we're just trying to be safe in what we're doing. And a lot of the drills that they're doing, they're doing for the first time with us, and they're going to do them tomorrow, and they're going to do them next week, and they're going to do them first day of training camp. So it's really an introduction to how we operate. Uh, it's true that a lot of young men that go through this draft process, you're not in the best shape. So we know that. So it's not like we need to uh, scare them uh, into it. They realize that they have work to do. It's at, uh, And not all of them do. but. Uh, sometimes you're in the draft process and you're on there playing every other day, making these visits. So uh, we got a lot of resources in this building, and, and these guys are going to use them. All right, good stuff from Coach from last Friday. Uh, we'll, we'll go over some of the observations from rookie minicamp. Uh, much more, of course, on the acquisition of Zadarius Smith. We will also go around the league. That's all coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns fans, we're down to our top five designs for the new dog logo. Vote early and let your voice be heard. Be sure to rank your favorite logos. The top two will advance to the final round. We will do one vote. You can do rather one vote per day. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash dog logo to cast your vote. Mr. Z. Oh, baby. Let's go. Have we seen any updated numbers, or is that no. all be lock and key? Lock and key. Okay. So we don't know where we stand. Only a on privileged these. few. Privileged I think few. it's going to end up being top left or bottom right. That's why. That's how I feel about it. That feels like the right spot too. Yeah. Those two. Mm -hmm. um, this guy was in. This guy was in our in the basement bar. Um, this little guy. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that guy. How about that guy? It's a good-looking guy. Right? He's a legend. I like that guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, little, those little, uh, I don't know, probably like cement little bulldogs you put on that, put around. Yeah. yeah he's heavy. He's got, got a little bit of weight to it. Heft. A little bit of heft, coach. A little yeah. bit of heft. Did you, um, before we go around the league, did you did you watch Succession last night? You know what? I did. <laughs> Let me say two things. Number one, I passed out during it. I fell asleep. And I watched it this That morning. feels impossible to me. I watched you it must have morning. just been smoked. I think it was just a long day. Okay. But I watched it. I rewatched uh, what I missed this morning. It, 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 honestly, uh, it's like watching a show about people that I despise and I all want to see fail. So when they're fighting with each other, I don't care. I miss the dad. And I think it's ready to be done. Like, bless you. It read, it's ready to be over. I thought it was – honestly, I thought it was – Oh, the intrigue. I was bored by it. Roman is – Romulus is doing things that there's no way he would be doing there need to be a in catch the real some point. Yeah. world. And that there was no indication his character was ever capable of acting in ways such as this. There was, actually. If you, This is how he behaved in the first couple of se- episodes of the whole show. They made him more endearing over the course of the last couple of seasons, but in terms of what he was at the very beginning – Think back to the but very also beginning. Remember the, you remember like the softball game where he like just screwed with that kid just for fun of it. Like he's been sure. a despicable human yes, at the beginning, fair. and then they wove him back into like you know wounded all this stuff. But then now it's back to what he was. But out of nowhere, it's kind of like this it feels rushed you. in the way that it was rushed, and all I of a sudden Daenerys started torching innocent innocence. humans. Yeah, like there was no lead up or indication to this other than. We're guessing his dad died. He froze on the phone with his dad. By the way, succession spoilers. So if you don't, I, we haven't given anything away. No, if, uh-uh. if you have watched, I don't it yet, even know that stop. there's anything to give away. It was basically like a, it was a sprint, of, an hour and ten minutes of a show that covered, like four hours of real time. Here's the thing that I yes, and what I don't understand is, now we're gonna go into deciding who the president of. Yeah, the United States is based on getting out of a deal that at one point they didn't want to get out of. They wanted to do. And then all of a sudden, seemingly out of nowhere, they don't want to do this deal anymore. I don't even think it's even about that. I think it's just I think it's the the creator saying it's satire. And he's saying this is how American. That part is all totally. That's what he's showing. He's saying that that these people do this. That's what he's doing. Like, I don't even know that the deal it's he's, what he's saying is is they're motivated by something that has nothing to do with what this job is right and that they are will do anything to get that end every one of them but will. then why didn't they just back out of the deal at some point it was too good and the board would never have allowed them to right yeah. so instead they could get a deal it's going to make them unbelievably wealthy beyond their yeah. wildest dreams and then they could go do whatever the heck passion projects they want to do yeah but the one kid knows this is the fastest track to be in in the white house and being important and probably other things and all that kennels ever want to do is run that company that's it it's only it's only I thought ambition. they were running i thought he put all this think yeah, about all the time it's and all energy. about hold dad on. hold on think about all the time and energy that had to be put into the yeah. Other deal, the price deal or whatever yeah. it is. And not only that, remember the company they were creating? Oh, yeah. And all the legwork that, that was done on that? Nothing. And then it's as if it was – These kids yeah. are morons. It's hard to watch. I, I, I didn't find Without it compelling the... at all. Like, oh, wow, so Shiv was backstabbing you. Oh, wow, you just figured it out. Yeah. Duh. Oh, but you're also backstabbing it. Like, so right. what? Right. The only thing I cared about was when Wams Gams was like – when Shiv, you know, told him of her situation 
and he was just like, "Is this another tactic? Another play? Yeah, another tactic." That was the only that was the only part of the episode that's good. I don't care Greg that they're going to like sushi as they were deciding who the next president of the United States was going to be. Was quite good as he could. I don't even. He's to lift off. His head. He's ridiculous. ridiculous. I thought I thought it to was me it's like this. I thought it was one of the best written hours of TV I've ever seen from the standpoint of how fast it was and how much was accomplished in the time and what was coming out of the character's mouth. But and I one of my favorite TV critics is a guy named Alan Sepinwell who yeah, now writes uh-huh. for the of Rolling Stone. He used to write for the, the Ringer. Uh, I don't know if he was it or um, Grantland was he at Grantland? I think he did stuff there. He was he's famous for he wrote for the Star Ledger. He used to do. Okay. Sopranos reviews uh-huh, in the uh-huh, Star Ledger. Uh-huh. So that's where I first, years ago, I picked I've read up him on him. Forever. He's yeah, awesome. for sure. Yeah. Anyway, he had a quote that he that he compared it to last night, and it hit home for me. He's like, it's probably the best hour of television that I never want to watch again. And it reminded him of uh, the Office episode with the dinner party, which is so awkward, like yeah, just yeah, Michael yeah. and what's-her-name. That's kind of how I felt. Like, I don't ever need to see it again. But it was just, like at the end of it, I just went, Pfft. What the hell? There was so much, so much dialogue. There dialogue was nothing was breathed, good. and the dialogue was hot. Cam was good, but there's no fun in it. I think what a lot of people fell in love with the show was, for the most part of like halfway through season one until Logan Untimely, most of that, there was at least a stretch of comedy in every episode yeah. of fun, and there's no fun in this right now. Like, without him in the mix... There, there's just not enough fun. That's the thing that makes it. And I just don't care. No, right, because they're not. When he was there, and they were all orbiting it. Yeah. Now there's nothing for them to orbit. I don't, so they're just bouncing off each other. I don't know. I didn't. I found it. Matt Ryan joins CBS <laughs> as an NFL analyst, but also tweets out not a retirement post. Well, yeah, because he's getting twelve million dollars from the Colts. They oh, have is that to what pay that's him about? Unless he retires, and now he can double dip as an analyst, still not be retired, and make both salaries. <laughs> Is that real? I didn't yeah. realize that's what that was about. Oh yeah. Oh, I missed that. If I he thought says he, he retires. Trying... He gives up that twelve million. The Colts owe him twelve million dollars. Oh my God, that's funny. I didn't realize that. I thought it was just he wanted. I thought to it stay. was weird. That's why I put it in there. I'm I didn't like, get it. Right. I thought it was just he wanted to. Hey, keeping my options open. But it's actually as long as he's active, he's owed that money. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a different angle on it entirely. He's not giving up landing with another team. Yeah, and the reason. So, this is from Pro Football Talk. When yep. former NFL MVP Matt Ryan announces upon joining CBS as an announcement he's not retired, it's not a case of Ryan being the last one to know that it's over. He can't act like it's over unless he potentially jeopardizes the $12 million he'll make to not play for the Colts in 2023. When the Colts traded for Ryan last year, they knew they would owe him $12 million this year. They cut him in March to avoid having another $17 million shift from injury guarantee to full guarantee. But it's not free money. Ryan technically has an obligation to seek NFL employment and to not refuse reasonable opportunities to play. If he announces I'm out, the Colts, in theory, could try not to pay him. There's no reason to think the Colts would do that, but the smart move for Ryan is to keep the door open, especially when it's obvious that no one is going to be walking through it. He's done. He knows it. We know it. Last year it became clear. He's cooked. That's fine. But he's saying he's not retired because he hopes to get the money the Colts committed to pay him when trading for him last year. No one forced them to do it. They did it. They owned the money. Even if there's a .01% chance that owner Jim Irsay would ever try to parlay a Ryan retirement into stiffing him, why risk it, keep the biscuit, and $12 million will buy a lot of them. So there you go. Pretty good. And it, there's no offset because it's not NFL employment. So it's he literally gets a double dip. He double dips. There's no reason for him to play for somebody else because that would be, it would offset it. That would offset it. So now so he's he making twelve million. More. Now he's gonna make more to not play, and, and then whatever to... he makes from exactly. CBS. Yeah. What do you? I I don't have any view on him as a personality. 
My guess is pretty dry, but people really liked him. My guess is going to be a little dry, but we'll see. We'll see what he's able In to CBS, do. In CBS, like, where does he – what team does he land with, and then what is the – Did they say he's going to be calling games, or is he just as an analyst? I could see I him assume end he's up gonna in be the in studio. The, oh, maybe run off one of those yeah. old dogs? Yeah. The better gig is games, isn't it? I think the better gig is studio. The better money studio, but and I guess how do you want to – The gig is not bad. You come in – Yeah, but, like, Tony Romo would not stop being Tony Romo with Jim Nance in order to go sit in with Bill Cowher. No, I think if you're Tony Romo's level, yes. So but only the one that now you have it. I bet that's right. If you're top analyst, that's the gig. Everything else, you'd rather be studio. Yeah. Okay. I'll if you're not that. team one or two. Yeah, I want you want one of the top two. Yeah. Because then, like the second team, I mean, in a year where CBS has two divisional playoff games. Or, or two wild cards because yeah. they don't have the Super Bowl. That you're still doing like, playoff games. Again, you do a thing like lifestyle. The lifestyle. If not you have, if you're Matt Ryan, and you have all the money. Which lifestyle would you rather have? The do the Sunday or do the one game? I think the lifestyle is better to do the studio. So they come in. You'd come in on a Saturday. Saturday night. They put you up at a great hotel. Yep, that's on them. Great meal. You're gonna get in there relatively early Sunday morning. You're gonna do go rehearse the show. The show's twelve to one. So you do a little show prep. They're, they've got Pat Kerwin and a bunch of other people who do all the research for you, and they know everything. And so you have – and think about how much they talk each one of them in an hour. You go to each game, each stadium, and talk oh, yeah, to each team. Yeah, yeah, they're not doing They're much. not doing much in that hour. Then you do a little bit of halftime highlights Yeah. at the 1 o'clock, a little bit of halftime highlights at the 4 o'clock. You're yeah, sitting you around, have a double dip. Sitting around eating and hanging out all day, watching football with some pretty cool people to watch football with, and then you fly out Sunday evening and you're home. If you're or doing Monday a game, morning. If you're doing a game, you're you've got to be you're there in the town Friday. Friday, so it's two nights versus one. You're in it might even be th- three. Random, nights. You're in random town. Say, you're not in Manhattan. Well, place here, it might it be, be three. three nights. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, not in Manhattan. You're, not you're in Manhattan. somewhere else. You're in some. Sometimes that's better. Sometimes it's not. Um, the and you're amount of work that you have to do to call a game, one game versus yeah. that. I think you're right. Like they know it's all done for. They have an unbelievable team at CBS. So when I was doing. Tops that when Tops launched, mm-hmm. we were in this studio and NFL Day was in this studio. But we got to, we shared like the same kind of green room area and we're able to go back around. Yeah, you know, it is. They are well prepared and taken care of, and then they just have to go deliver for not that much time. Yeah, yeah, you sold me. Good job out of you. Thank you. Uh, Matthew Collar going to join us coming up next. He, of course, with Purple Insider, uh, gets his thoughts on Zedarius Smith and what he can bring to us. That's coming up next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma. Delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style, the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns 2023 schedule is here. Get your single game tickets now for all the great matchups at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets to purchase today. As we head out on the Twisted Tea Hotline, brought to you by Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Matthew Collar, our good buddy, joining us from Purple Insider. Uh, Matthew, let's just – did this thing come out of the clear blue sky for you the way that it kind of did for us on Friday? Uh, no, not so much. Um you know, it was a very odd thing uh, because I think that when Zadarius Smith signed with the Vikings, we all expected him to be a Viking for two years uh, because that was the way his contract was structured. The third year was kind of one of those dummy years where they could move on after that, but it looked like it was pretty legit for two years. And I thought that that was one of the reasons he signed with the Vikings is being able to get a multi-year contract, even though he had been coming off of that back surgery with the Green Bay Packers, but at the end of the season, he tweeted something that seemed very much like a goodbye to Minnesota, and it uh, sort of raised all of our eyebrows, like, oh, okay, I guess they're going to have to cut him for cap reasons or trade him or something, and then we just kind of waited, and my understanding was that the Vikings didn't really see that coming either um, initially, and uh, I think Zadarius Smith just wanted more money and felt he deserved more money, and you know what? He's probably right <laughs> for what he produced versus the amount of cash that he was scheduled to bring in. Uh, I think he probably did deserve quite a bit more. And so I, I noticed that the restructure for his contract was part of it, probably to put some more cash into his pocket. Um, so that, you know, when you look at the Vikings cap situation, it was so dire that there really wasn't a lot of choice here. It was either going to be cut him or trade him. Uh, because there was no flexibility for them. I believe that before they made this trade, according to overthecap.com, they had about $1 million left. That's not even enough to sign your draft class, even when the draft class only has six players. I mean, they've just got absolutely nothing as far as cap space, and you need to go into the season with at least something. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a situation that we were kind of waiting for when that was going to play out, but we didn't know – when we didn't know where we didn't know if there was another team that was going to step up and take that contract um so you know i think cleveland ends up you know, getting a getting a steal here for a situation that the vikings couldn't really control and they had to move on from it what kind of player are the browns getting in zadarius smith yeah when zadarius smith is healthy uh which was the first half of the season and not so much the second half last year and you can see that reflected in the numbers uh, but when he is at 100%, he is one of the most dominating defensive players in the entire league. Um, he can do anything. He can play outside a tackle and beat them on the edge. He can line up over the center and shove them back into the quarterback. He can do stunts, twists, whatever. You could put him at inside linebacker and rush him from there. there there's nothing that he can't do. He can stuff the run. He can, I mean, just anything. He's one of the most versatile players in the NFL. He's one of the strongest players. And I think one of the most technically gifted pass rushers you're going to see. So it's not like, oh, he just has this one move that he does all the time. Uh, he's got a whole toolbox of moves, and he can do a lot of different things from a lot of different places. And the guy, is a, he's a freight train. I mean, he just keeps going down in and down out. He's just a very driven and motivated player. I mean, you look at his numbers last year. 
through about 10 weeks, I think he was in the de- defensive player of the year conversation uh, with the pressure numbers he was putting up and the sack yeah. numbers. The one downside is just that health is an issue. I mean, two years separated from back surgery. And last year, even though he played a ton of snaps, he played a lot of them through a knee injury that clearly slowed him down. He was still effective at times, but not in the same down in and down out um, that he was toward the beginning of the season. But the other thing is that's different from Cleveland as it was in Minnesota is that he had to play every down in Minnesota. I mean, they really had no other option for outside rushers. So if he can be a little bit more of a part of a rotation and maybe limit playing 60 or 70 snaps per game at times, um, that might help a little with him because he's, He's a guy that plays very violently, and he's had quite a few injuries kind of you know, rack up over the years. But when he's at 100%, he is an absolute monster. So you talked about what type of player he is. What type of dude is he? Yeah, that's harder to figure out, even though I was around him for an entire year. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that he is kind of walks to the beat of his own drum a little bit. Um, you know, I did not, none of us reporters got to know him very well because he was never available. Uh, he was around in training camp and we interviewed him a couple times and then just totally MIA in the locker room to the point where, uh, reporters had to kind of do the thing where you can get fined if you don't talk, like there's technically supposed to be available every week, but you know, we're not going to push that too hard for a guy who's not around for a few weeks. But if you spend the whole season, um, you know, we're going to eventually say something when you're a star player. So that's, that's just by the NFL rules. So we eventually had to kind of enact that and get him to talk right before the playoffs. But I think he went, aside from talking after games, I think he went almost the whole season without talking in the locker room at all. So it's hard to say what kind of guy exactly he is. I mean, I know as a football player, um, yeah. you know, su- super driven, and uh, it seemed to me at least that, he got you know, to be good friends with Daniil Hunter and that they related really well to each other and played off each other extremely well. Um, so it kind of seemed like they had kind of a bro thing going on, which maybe he'll have with Miles Garrett as well. But there, there are guys in the locker room that you get to know really well over the years, and there are other guys who are ghosts in there, and, and he was a ghost. So you've got a couple of former Vikings now, Dalvin Tomlinson as well on that line with Darius Smith. And, you know, you you told us about Dalvin and, it feels like the Browns have put together a pretty good group here alongside the great Miles Garrett. But what you described with Darius Smith, it almost sounds like it's going to be a very difficult situation for people to try to deal with him as well as Miles Garrett at the same time, much like they had with Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith in Minnesota. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And I think that you can't leave Delvin Tomlinson out of the pass rush part of that because I, I think in years past you probably could. But what I was so impressed by last year was Delvin Tomlinson adding to his toolbox. And it was something I I wrote about and did an article with Delvin about how year in and year out, he had just built up more of a repertoire of pass rush moves and better understanding how to read plays and when he can attack and when he has to kind of hold back and stuff gaps and things like that. And I think what you have now is this defense that can kind of morph in any way you want it to, because if you need Delvin Tomlinson to play nose right over the center, he could do that. If you want him to play three tech and attack a gap, he can do that. And if you want Zadarius Smith pretty much anywhere outside of outside cornerback, uh, he can do that as well. And uh, there's not, there's just not too many guys that weigh 260 pounds 
who you can just be moving all over the place, but Zadarius Smith is one of them. So I think that what everybody is searching for in the NFL is how much can we line up in a way that is unpredictable to the offense? And what you've gained there with both Tomlinson, but especially Zadarius Smith, is an unpredictable element. You know where Miles Garrett's going to be rushing for uh, from every time, but you don't know where these other guys are going to be lining up on a play-to-play basis. And I would say that that should be pretty scary. And that's the thing about the Vikings defense last year. The defensive line was good. It was just they couldn't cover anybody. So you still have to cover. But if they can recreate what the Vikings had with Hunter Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith, that's going to be pretty good for you. Matthew, the Vikes done, or will there be? Do you think there could be more moves with that with that operation? Our guy Quasey get got a lot going on up there. Yeah, I think that uh, number one, they're probably going to release uh, Delvin Cook, so that's certainly around the corner at some point. It goes under the same wow. category of things we've just been waiting for, um, and I think that they've been trying hard to make a trade, but. Uh, this, this one with having that Andrew Barry Quasey relationship, I think was probably really helpful to getting this done because I would guess a lot of the league was like, yeah, we know you have to cut that guy for cap purposes, so we're not going to help you. But for the Vikings, I think they wanted Zedarius in the AFC and not like signing with the bears or something, but sure. yeah, Delvin cook. I mean, Delvin cook, when you look at his contract, you look at the mileage on that body, the fact that he had shoulder surgery, coming off of his clearly, in my mind, his worst year of his career, pretty hard to get anybody to trade for him. Very similar situation to Ezekiel Elliott, where once these running backs are done, they're kind of done, and it's unfortunate. And, you know, I grew up in the era of the, the great, you know, Leroy Hordes and, uh, you know, Ernest Biners and, and guys like that uh, who were carrying the load for their teams and playing even into their 30s, but we just don't see that a whole lot anymore. These running backs kind of get used up and then – go about, you know, go on their way. So that's that's kind of where Delvin Cook is at, and I think the Vikings are ready to look at some of the younger guys that they've drafted. But aside from that, it will be interesting to see how they use this cap space. Like, are they looking to find just maybe another role player or something? Or my guess would be they want to use it in part um, for contract extensions because Justin Jefferson can be extended. We don't know what's going on exactly with Daniil Hunter. His contract needs to be addressed. And then uh, T.J. Hawkinson as well. So this this was really a forced move with Zedarius where they had sure. to do this to create some flexibility. And that's why I think if you're on the Brown side, you're you're pretty happy with it because you got a great player for essentially nothing. Right? Were you shocked at the compensation? I mean, if you were, if we're doing in some here, and and they got two picks back, but Andrew Barry's over the last two years traded three fifth round picks, future fifth round <laughs> picks, and gotten Amari Cooper and Zedarius Smith. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's 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 the, the the economics of the NFL, though, right? Is that like if every team was on the same plane with their situations cap wise, then we wouldn't see deals like this, and Zadarius would be worth a heck of a lot more. Probably just fair compensation for him is something more like a second round draft pick based on his talent and production. Yeah, but but that's not how the leverage game works, right? I mean, that that every team in the league knew that Zadarius Smith was done as a Viking and that the Vikings had no flexibility at all with the cap. I'm pretty sure they were dead last for cap space. And and so something had to happen. And if you're another team, you're probably thinking, we'll just wait till he gets released and then we'll sign him. And then, you know, Andrew Barry smartly swoops in and takes him for a fifth round pick. But that also means 
you know, taking on the cap hit as well and, and things like that. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised because I figured from the outset that if they could get anything great for him, they would have already gotten it by now. Um, and this is just kind of like the Amari Cooper thing was the one that I brought up on my show repeatedly when people would ask, oh, can we trade Zedarius for a first or second round pick? They're like, no, <laughs> no, you can't because everyone knows, you know, it's, it's like when you're, when you're moving or something and you have to do a yard sale. Everybody knows yeah. you're moving and you got to sell your stuff. They're not giving you full price for your old Nike. Right. Matthew, I love that last line. Great stuff, buddy. Appreciate your time and hopping on with us again today. Yeah, sure thing. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Matthew Collar. He's great. Purple Insider yeah. calling in on the Twisted Tea hotline. Of course, Twisted Tea Hard Ice Tea, official sponsor of your Cleveland Browns. Keep it twisted, Cleveland. Um, Dalvin Cook is 27 years of age. He's four and a half yards a carry a year ago, 4.7 the year before that, five the year before that. Um, he's What happened at this position where there is no longevity? I think it's what, a couple do you have a theory? Things. Yes, my theory is that you, even with the expanding salary cap and even with everything, the money going up and up and up, it's that teams feel like there are is an abundance of running backs in the draft. Alexander Madison's on their roster. I mean, Dalvin Cook's a four-time Pro Bowler, four he's straight a Pro seasons. Bowler last year. Yeah, he's rushed for 1,100 yards or more, four straight seasons, 4.5 yards a carry basically every year of his career, as you pointed out, and he can do some damage catching the ball. He's given you 1,300-plus scrimmage yards, four straight seasons, and has averaged in that time almost 12 touchdowns a season, total touchdowns. He's a stud. I mean, bottom line, he's a stud, but there is – when you think about what you have to pay a running back of that level to keep them, many teams are saying it does not make sense. And that's why I think there is a reality around the league that, you know, what Derrick Henry's doing is somewhat of an anomaly, but the re they also can't compete at the level they want to because they have so much money invested in Derrick Henry. And so, no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, why does it feel like they're done at 28? I, I don't think he's done. I don't think anybody wants it. They yeah, don't want he's to gonna, pay him. No, but I mean him and Zeke, like, and I think he's not nearly he's as done as Zeke. Zeke. Yeah, Zeke's yeah. fallen off the last three years. Um, Dalvin's got way more in the tank. Like someone's, it's going to be theft for somebody. But even Kareem wasn't the same this year. Like you could tell. Like he was, he didn't have the same pep in his step. Like for example, and I understand that this guy ends up being really, really good from a all-time rusher standpoint. Frank Gore had five thousand-yard seasons after age twenty-eight. Yeah, like. So my I wonder is I wonder if it is, and of course f- f- he mentioned Leroy Howard and Ernest Biner. Like you go back to then, then running backs stood, were around for a dozen years. You draft a running back, they're around for a dozen years. The so, game was more physical then. I'm wondering if if the idea of of it is how much you think of it could be that kids are coming out of college more at a higher level from a pass pro perspective, to where they're more ready to catch out of the backfield. They're more ready to protect and blitz situations because the college game passes so much. Because I'm guessing that a lot of the reason these guys hung around for so long was there was a trust factor with them, right? Partly that, and partly that's what the game was built around. It was built around four yards and a cloud of dust. Right, but the same thing it's would not. have applied. There would have been more running backs then than there were now, same amount, right? I think you're looking at it, I think what you're considering them to be done is people can still produce at these ages. Yeah, but nobody wants to make the investment in them to keep and producing so you think for that them. They just don't want to pay at a lesser number. They don't want to play much at a lesser number. I think that they get weeded out for sure. And like it's not point, even like Leonard Fournette doesn't have a team. Can Leonard Fournette yeah. play? Sure. But you could also get somebody who's reasonably close to him in the draft and maybe the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco, all those things. 
like I'll take the the example of the Eagles, what the Eagles did, and you have to make decisions in the NFL right now. And I think a decision that a lot of teams are making is I'm not paying for that running back production. Oh, no, which you is, would never pay for the running back, but it does feel like that when at by 28, like they're done, like no one has an interest in them. So the the Eagles this year are going to have DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, and Boston Scott to play running back for them mm-hmm. for a total. I think it's something like five million dollars. Or less for all of them, mm-hmm. and the guys that left them, Miles Sanders, for example, is they would have been paying like thirteen million dollars. So yeah. they still have a bunch of different parts that adds up to a better whole for cheaper money. No, I get all that. That's I think it's just that simple. Yeah, I think it's just that simple. And and guys may be too proud. Zeke may be too proud could, to take. Yeah. I'm not going to come play for the league minimum. I don't care more, but because a guy like Latavius Murray is still in the league because he's, he's willing, to do, willing that to do that and is still productive and still is a big physical back that can play at this level and help a team, but he's willing to do that. Yeah. So much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There you have it, kids. There's your Monday. There it is. For the people. Loaded. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.